Hello and welcome to All Things Albion, the West Bromwich Albion Focus podcast. Please welcome my co-host. Back in 2018, when West Brom lost 2-1 to Bolton on the opening game of the season, he was there and so was I. How are you, John? I'm all right, mate. That was a bad memory. Thanks for that. (laughs) Well, this is a really positive show. We've won two games in a row. Yeah. Um, You know, things are looking good. We're top of the league. So you've got to put some... You have some something in there that dampens the mood a little bit. <laughs> I, might, I might have been, I might have been a bit, I might have been a bit harsh actually, because if I remember rightly, that was the game when we went to Hockley for a few beers before the game, wasn't it? It was a jury quarter, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Hockley, the same place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was great actually. It was brilliant until we got to the got to the ground. Yeah, it <laughs> was. you, Harley Barnes, Harvey Barnes, absolute screamer on his debut. I remember that yeah. as well. Yeah, it was a shame, really. We did well. Did we? We didn't get promoted that season, did we? That was a season we've got into playoffs and lost to the Villa. No, we, we, us by taking Harvey. That's Barnes. right. Harvey Barnes back in January. Yeah, that's right. And I think was it um, was it Jimmy Shan who was the caretaker manager, and then we hired was it Billich after him? I think. I feel like he was anyway. I feel like you might be right there. Anyway. Yes, sorry. Um, we do like to reminisce on this podcast. Um, good news. Positive news. We've had two wins in a row. Um, we've, we're top of the league and having a laugh. I think we're joint, joint on points with Bournemouth, aren't we? We're playing Stoke this Friday, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But let's talk about the QPR game first. Um, just to give you my thoughts. Strange goal to concede. Um, we would have to concede to Andre Gray, the striker that we were linked with over and over again in the transfer window. A very strange goal we conceded. Got caught cold. Um, Sam Johnst- Johnston was not in the greatest position. I'm not blaming him. It's not his fault. He, he was caught unawares, really. Uh, but it just sort of happened out of nowhere. And then for the, for the rest of the game, we proceeded to knock on the door uh, until we got Carl and Grant shot which the keeper saved and then punched his own goal which was a really strange one and then the uh the second goal was just beautiful um i'm trying to think who won the ball initially i don't know if it was mowat or livermore or someone like that but then you you gone do you know who it was it was it was i think it was livermore was it livermore and then passed to um Hugel flipped it around the corner to Robinson. A beautiful pass across the 18-yard box to Grant. And, and what a great finish. Great game. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for me, what I'll remember about it is just a total meme of a first goal. It was a complete meme because, I, like, Johnston, I think, was facing the corner flag at the time when the ball... <laughs> I don't know what... I don't quite know what he was doing. But... Uh, regardless, the defending was just dreadful. And to be honest with you, when it went in, my heart sank because I just thought, oh, no, this is just what you need in the first year. Yeah, yeah. Especially with the pressure being on us because we've drawn the last few games. Yeah, And we're on telly and all this sort of thing. Anyway, um, what what sort of pleased me about the whole thing, though, was the way we came back into the game. I think it was was very accomplished. It was um, the sort of thing I've been expecting from us, to be honest with you, is we changed the style to more of a passing style. Yeah, um, more of a sort of not such a high tempo all action pressing style, more of a patient style. Uh, and as as predicted, teams are struggling with it again because it's again it's something different. It's something that another another string to our bow which we need because we need to keep the league continuously adapting to us, not the other yeah. way around. Um, but yeah, to I mean you know it was a lucky goal for, for Carlin's first, but he, he got it low. He got it low near post on target, so you always give mm-hmm. yourself a chance when you do that. Uh, but as you correctly point out, I can't argue with it at all. The second goal was just poetry in motion. I mean, um, it was it was actually this, what was ironic about that is we we did we done well up to that point playing patient style football, yeah. and what did it was the high press because, yeah, like I said, sure. like I say, you, you, like I said, you know, you lull them into a false sense of security and you counter punch them, and we did exactly that. That was beautiful for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we showed just how dangerous we are at both styles. Um, the Cardiff game, I'll start off talking about the Cardiff game. I know you were talking about the QPR game, but we'll talk about the Cardiff game. So um, Cardiff was a very different game. Uh, the opposition were there for the taking. Yeah. Um, and we just took them to the cleaners. It was, just yeah. a, it was a re- really, really heartening performance. 
they were just shell shocked. Um, but again, patient passing style, which is something we haven't been used to under Ishmael. And to his to Ishmael's credit, he's got the team playing a completely different way with the same personnel, largely, which I think yeah. is impressive. Um, Mick McCarthy, it's happened again. Uh, always <laughs> love watching watching us beat Mick McCarthy sides because it's always him. I feel I feel a bit sorry for him to be honest because he just looked dejected after that game. Well, no. <laughs> I don't I, I don't feel particularly sorry for him because I do in a way because you know he's he's a you know he's a fellow human being, but. I just like beating Mick McCarthy. It always heralds good things when we beat Mick McCarthy. So when we used to play Keith, you were saying the other day, wasn't we? we used to play Keith Curl and you always used to see him score an own goal or give away a penalty. It's the, we just love playing Mick McCarthy. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I'd be worried if I was a Cardiff fan because they were yeah. shocking. Well, yeah, I mean, is it 5-1 they lost the game before and then they just got thumped by us 4-0. So I can't I mean, see it uh, lasting. The, the funny one, I think, for me, from last night, I don't know if you've seen last night's results, but Luton beat Coventry 5-0. 5-0? Yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. 5-0. Um, the reason why I'm talking about it is because it just it shows you how mad this league is. So, you yeah. know, we were, we, we were on everybody's back, weren't we? And we were sort of grumbling. Mm-hmm. At the, and we were sort of like drawing games, not winning them. Look at that. I know. So it shows you sometimes perhaps a little bit of perspective is quite nice because you look at it and you think, actually, do you know what? Even though we weren't playing well, we were still getting points. Yeah. Like you could play badly in this league against a poor team and get beat 5-0. So, yeah. you know, maybe there's a lesson learned there. Well, I think it is easy to get. I don't see. I don't I don't like criticising fans for whatever standpoint they have. And I know that on social media, there's been a lot of back and forth about, you know, people saying, oh, you were too critical um, to other fans who are, I don't think I don't think they want to get on the back of the team so much. I think they just they're worried because we've mentioned before there's such pressure on us to either stay up or get promoted, especially the get promoted season. Because I think we're worried after being a yo-yo club really for the last twenty odd years. Really now, I think the concern is that we're going to, you know, stay down and and after three years not have any more parachute payments and really struggle. So. I don't like criticising fans who are, who are getting a bit negative, but I can understand that you know we need to support the team, we need to try and stay positive because things have come good. That wasn't what I meant, by the way. I wasn't saying that that it's I shouldn't put we're critical of of uh, I'm critical of fans who 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 were getting jittery. What I mean is, is it's perspective. Yes, yeah. It show, it shows you just how difficult this league can be. Yeah, uh, and and personally, I was one of those fans who was concerned. About the fact yeah, that yeah. we were, you know, we weren't we weren't winning games and we, we didn't seem to be playing well. But I just mention it because it just shows you that it, it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, it could be. That's a what lot I'm basically worse. saying. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm basically saying. Um, talking about the goals, it was great to see Colin Grant get another goal. It seems to really have have you know come on now and he's getting more confidence. The funny thing about the QPR game was he's obviously right-footed, but both of his goals were his left foot. And it was almost like there was no pressure. You know, they sometimes say you score the better goals with your weaker foot because you're not thinking about it so much. You're just, you know, hitting it. And the fact that well, he do, he's done that, hopefully you're giving the confidence to really crack on now. Well, what you do is you concentrate on striking the ball correctly, don't you? Yeah. So yeah. you have to really think. You do have to think about it, but I know what you mean at the same time. You just, you have to, because you have to concentrate on connecting with the ball correctly. You, you tend to you tend to just do a bit better, um, yeah. and you tend to concentrate less on where the goal is. It's almost like it's more instinctive. I see what you, yeah. I know what you're saying, uh, but yeah, it is interesting. But I, I, I've I've rated Colin Grant all season. I you think. have I think, to be fair. You've always been a big supporter of his. I think the things that he's done all season have been really, really good. And all he needed to do was just add that final, just shoot. Because mm. at yeah. times earlier in the season, it was almost like he seemed to want to look for the pass all the time, um, and I, I, I suspect. Ishmael's kind of said to him, "No, you need to be, you need to be taking us on. You know, you need to be taking these shots on. Mm-hmm. Don't just rely on Robinson or Hugel or whoever to take the shots. You need to be doing it." And now he's doing that. He's taking, uh, he's, he's you know reaping the benefits. Second goal against QPR was a fantastic finish. Yeah. Um, much different to the first one, but again against against Cardiff, it was a great goal, and it was only only usurped by an absolute masterpiece worldy by Moa again. Yeah. Um, you know, Moa. I do want to talk about the second. 
second own goal. I think sorry, the second oh, okay. goal by Nelson because he. <laughs> oh bless him, Nelson! This the uh, the defender. I think he was Ficard. He just thumped it in. <laughs> he was bouncing around, wasn't it? Come there, he just thought, yeah, six yard box. I'm having a bit of this. <laughs> Bottom corner. What a finish! <laughs> oh bless him. I know he was feel terrible because he was just a panic and he was trying to clear, and it obviously went wrong. But yeah, it was a, it was a funny own goal. Are you young, are you old enough to remember Danny Baker's own goals and gaffes? The video. Yes, yes, I do. Well, there a DVD of that, or a blue, yeah. uh, double Ray, a, a VHS. Yeah, yeah, you, that's how old we are. Maybe you're not <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Betamax yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, to show a kid a VHS tape and say, "What's this?" and that'll tell yeah. you how old. But yeah. no, um, yeah, yeah, like it was just classic because, like, it was everything. I mean, Cardiff. Okay, if you're a Cardiff fan now, I apologise, but I'm going to sort of look at the state of it. You've got Mick McCarthy as the manager, right? You've got an empty stadium. I mean, I thought... Yes, I it, was, thought, it was empty. I thought the fire alarms had gone off in the home end. Like, yeah, there was, was nobody bad, there. You're getting tanked 4-0, playing terribly at night time and it's cold and it's horrible. And then one of the goals is your defender does that. Like, that is the pitch, yeah. that is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it wasn't great. Um, and all they had was a bunch of lads in the in the crowd with an Italy flag. And I thought, at least they're having a good time. Yeah. Take, they're getting, yeah. Taking the mick out of us for our, for our World Cup loss. But I just thought, rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. Yeah. Um, great finish by Moa. What a what a strike that is. That, that, that left foot's a real magic wand, isn't it? As they say. It's just, it, 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 he's, I love him, I do. I think he's fantastic. I think he's exactly what we've needed for years. But the thing is, sorry, something I did notice, uh, I saw the highlights, I think, on WBA TV, and the commentator said to Chris Brunt, well, the man to my left never caught one as good as that. I was like, does this guy an Albion fan? Chris Brunt scored some absolute world. These for the Albion. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think he thought he was sat next to Andy Johnson. Yeah, I was like, that's what I said. <laughs> Do you think Andy Johnson sat next to me or something? Because bless him, he couldn't hit a barn door. But yeah, when he's when I heard that, I was like, really? Um, bit of an odd one. Yeah. But yeah, great finish. Oh, the way it just rose up into the top corner. The goalkeeper had no chance. Absolutely beautiful. And then to cap it off, Matty Phillips. Uh, looked like Hugo was going to score, but seemed to just think, actually, no, I, I can't. I can't score. So I'll just leave it to someone who can. Because uh, he, he missed needs to, sitter, though. he missed a sitter, didn't he? Uh, a few minutes before this, the ball come across um, on the penalty spot, and he had the whole goal, and he put it wide. I don't want to be critical. We had a great team performance. He worked hard, but he needs a goal, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he needs a goal yesterday. Because like, like I say, you know, he's a hard worker, and, and credit to him, and he does a professional job up there, but. As a centre forward, you need to score, especially when you're presented with opportunities like that. That's not yeah. good enough. No. So um, because if that was nil nil, yeah, yeah. That's the first thing we, I was going to say for Grant as well is he's not scoring the fourth or fifth. He is scoring the important goals as well, which is a big thing for a striker. So well done. Um, you know, really good to see him doing well. Yep. So yeah. So should we talk about the 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 topic of the week? Yes, yeah, so two good wins, top of the league, fantastic. Um, so the topic of the week, we put a post out on. So I say that every week, we put a post out on social media, but we did, um, and basically it was giving people a list of topics of what to uh, what you'd like to talk about on the, us to talk about on our next podcast. What is the big feature? We did a deep dive into the strikers before. We've done the career of Valerian Ishmael, done a few things. But we want to do a deep dive every episode, don't we? So, like I said, put a post out, which I'm just finding now. So, yeah, they put the post out uh, saying what should be the feature of our main feature of our next episode. It was the club's academy system, Sam Johnston's contract, how much has fans back in f- stadiums improved football and the ownership structure of the club. The main one, the big one that people really wanted us to talk about was the club's academy system and why we seem to be pl- losing a lot of players and staff to the villa. Uh, the other one that people were quite interested in was this, the fans in stadiums were also the safe standing. I'd quite like to talk about that next week. I think that deserves its own deep dive in episode. I don't want to just touch on it and forget about it. I want to talk about it in depth. 
So um, this week, though, we're going to talk about the club's academy system uh, and what's been happening and, and the things like that, because there's not been much information about it. So we've had to piece together what we can uh, and use our own speculation as well a little bit. So to go into the uh, West Brom Academy, we are a Category 1 elite training centre, which happened under Peace and Dan Ashworth. There was a lot of work done under there, uh, under them, those pair um, to get the club up to the level. They have to do a certain and certain things. They have to have a certain type of pitch, they have certain type of facilities to get to a Category 1 elite training centre. So that's great that they did that. Um, and then just to go through some of the players that we have produced over the years, and this is not just recent, this is over a long period of time. If I've missed anybody out, you know, we did sort of did this off the top of our heads. But to sort of talk about past players, there was Hugo Ekiog, Danny Gabidon, Lloyd Dyer, Adam Oliver, James Chambers, Adam Chambers. And then to talk about more recent times, we've had people like Izzy Brown, Sider Berahino, Jerome Sinclair, George Thorne, Sam Field, Tyler Roberts, Nathan Ferguson, Carl Edwards, Jonathan Lecco, Dara O'Shea, Chris Wood, Adil Nabi, Romain Sawyers, Kamar Roof and Rayhan Tulloch. We've obviously got more players um, that are currently in the under-23 squad as well. But yeah, that's sort of the main ones, aren't they, that um, we've produced over the last few what, years what we'd give to have chris wood back Jeez. Oh, i know i know um, I talking about uh, my dad earlier and he was saying the same thing so you know you've just listed a bunch of players there and yeah. a lot of them are first team players in you know across both the premier league and the uh and the first division well the championship mm-hmm. Uh, with the exception of Dar O'Shea, obviously, who's in the, cl- the squad now. Yeah. Who would, Now, what I would say about all of those players, with the exception of Saido Berrihino for one season and Dar O'Shea, is who pulled up trees for us? None of them, I would say. Um, Sam Field <laughs> had a few games, didn't he? But he never was... He was never. Um, I was, yeah, you said Sawyer's, didn't you? Who did well? Yeah. Um, no, I've said I've said Sawyer's. Sawyer's did well. You know, when he came yeah. back. But what yeah. I mean is, when when they were when they were sort of like players which had come out of the academy. Who who did really really well out of them? I would challenge yeah. to say very few. Yeah, uh, I agree. One or yeah. two. Now that that in that in itself suggests something to me about ah uh, the way we treat youth players. Yeah. So if we're you know if we're talking about why it is that uh, we lose players i think there's several reasons and mm-hmm. i'll go through them i'll go through them as we discuss them mm-hmm. but i think whilst just looking at that list now the fact that none of those players were really 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 successful for us before they moved on suggests that either they weren't given the the, the status within the squad that they needed to, to be successful they weren't given the game time or the style of play that we were playing at the time was in, was was not correct, or, mm-hmm. and I suppose not or why I believe the first two situations happen. So they're not getting the status within the squad, and they're not getting the game time, is because we are constantly in a state of yeah. either being yeah. in a relegation battle or in a promotion battle. Mm-hmm. Now, if we had any form of stability in the club, in i.e., where the club is, without it constantly being a firefight. And what I mean by that, you know, I know that we had 10 years in the Premier League, but did you ever feel like the club felt it was stable and, and secure in the Premier League at any point? No. The only two times, sorry to interrupt you, the only two times I felt comfortable was under Hodgson, his, so was he there for three years, his second and third year. And when we were under Steve Clark and we finished eighth, but I'm not talking about the fans. I'm talking about the manager. So, oh, okay. when, yeah. when you when you have a, a manager who feels like he's 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 well backed, his squad is sufficient, and he's sta- he's in a stable position, he will play more youth players. Would be my would I would be willing to bet because if we'd have gone and got someone like I know we, I'm I'm using this as an example here. Say for example, if we had Lukaku up front, yeah, right, uh, for the seasons that he was with Everton, we would we could have quite happily played. Someone behind him, like mm-hmm. Kamar Roof, you know, yeah, Chris Ward. Easy Brown, anybody, couldn't we? Yeah, and it would have been very, it would have, we would have felt comfortable that we were going to get the, the manager would have felt comfortable that, he, that, that, that Lukaku was good enough to get the goals, but instead we had a Nietzsche be up front, 
So what we're talking about now is we're talking about the the scenario within the dynamic within the squad was never correct to bring through players. No. And I think why that leads on to what we're talking about now is you, we haven't got a track record of producing first team players that do really really well at West Brom. So I think that's symptom number well cause of symptom number one. Symptom is why do we keep losing players, right? Cause number one is that we're, we're never in a position to, to adequately bring through youth players, or the or the manager never feels that he's adequately in the right position to bring yeah, comfortable players. enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But, um, no, I agree. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think a manager who was to bring through youth players would almost think, "Well, I'm developing these players for the next manager because I'll bring them through." You know, we won't do well, or they perceive we wouldn't do well with the youth players. He would get the sack because he wasn't meeting his targets. They would develop, the next manager would come in and they'd probably be a lot better for it. So, yeah, I agree. I think because we're in a state of flux, and I've said it before in this podcast, when Tony Pulis was getting, the fans were on his back because they wanted to see Jonathan Lecco. I think there was even chance of bring Lecco on or something like that. Um, and he did against Crystal Palace. And he was the only player who was putting themselves out there and running at people. But he lost the ball and the ball got pinged down the left wing to Andros Townsend, who cut in and scored. And I said at the time, with me, you and our dad was sat there, I said that was the last time that Pulis will, will take a chance on a youth player. Because if you remember, he used to say, you know, we, we, need, the, we need the cool, calm, experienced heads like Darren Fletcher and Johnny Evans. He made a thing, didn't he, of signing anyone who had anything to do with Alec Ferguson. He seemed to just be obsessed with it. Um, but yeah, anyway, sorry, I do digress. That I agree. <laughs> a long-winded way of saying I agree and I think to be honest with you that's the biggest problem um, because if if, if you're if, you, if, if players have got if you're a young player and you want to make it as a professional footballer you just all you want to do is you probably want to and that's your prime. if that's your primary goal if your goal isn't to just become as wealthy as possible and I don't think footballers when they first start out just want to be mega mega rich I think they yeah. want to play becoming mega mega rich becomes a, becomes almost a side effect so mm-hmm. i think that they're going to look at us and go i'm not getting the chances here to, to i'm not getting the chance to succeed because even if i get put in the team i'm like six minutes to go and we're either scrambling to maintain a lead or i'm having to push forward and take loads of risks i can't i don't feel like i'm in the right position to succeed um the next thing i would say about so, you know, once we've gone through that list and we've sort of like carved it up, how much money have we made? You know, Silo Berrahino, 12 million. Nathan Ferguson yet to be decided, but it will be multiple millions, we should think. Yeah. Um, you missed out on a lad uh, who went to Manchester City. Um, yes, you're right. Rogers, Morgan Rogers. And we yes, got about, so we got something like 6 million for him, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Kamar Roof, we will have got a fee. Chris Wood, we got a fee. Wasn't much uh, though, was it? But it was Millwall Le- and Leicester that we accepted bids from. Leco, we got. I seem to remember Leco. We got a fee. A million, a million. We got. Uh, Leco. So we have received significant sums of money for our youth players when they do leave. Um, you know, multiple millions of pounds. The argument, I suppose, would be that we haven't received enough. Like, for example, Nathan Ferguson, had he stayed and fulfilled the p- the potential he possibly showed at early doors, maybe we would be looking at in this market. You know. 30, you know, 20 mil, 30 million maybe for him. Yeah. However, it hasn't transpired that way because unfortunately he's left and then got seriously injured. Mm-hmm. Um, Berrahino, I think we, we extracted everything we could out of Berrahino. I don't think we would have got any more for him nowadays. And yeah. I don't think he'd be in the, I don't think he'd be at the club now, even if he'd stayed. Um, no, his contract would have run out and he'd have been released, I'd imagine. So I think as a positive, you know, we have received good money for these players, whether or not, I suppose it's subjective as to whether or not it's good enough money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the real the real death nail of the beginning of the end for our the status of our or the the that phase of our academy shall we say where we were developing where we were we had, we seemed to have a lot of very talented players was when Luke Dowling came in yes yeah um, and I say this not out of personal experience because I don't I can't I just what I've seen and what I've heard about yep. what he was doing while he was at the club suggests to me that he was the the, the death nail. Um, because he's, from what I understand, he's a very he wanted to change the status of the academy within the club to yeah. a secondary status to the first team. Now I can 
trying to empathise with, with him, I can kind of see where he's coming from because he wants to give players who are in the academy something to aspire to and not to feel like they've already arrived just because they are members of the academy, that that's, that's the zenith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why he was doing things like changing the, the entrances that they could use to come through uh, into the dining hall, for example. So, you know, if you, when they're taking their lunch, their meals, uh, he would force them to use a different door to the first team, sit at different tables to the first team. Um, what I don't think he countenanced is the, how much that would put people's nose out of joint who work yeah. for the academy. Yeah. Um, because we've all got egos. Everybody's got an ego, right? Um, <clears throat> so I think him doing that is what caused... Um, you know, Hopcroft, people like Steve Hopcroft, Mark Harrison, these were very influential figures uh, in the academy to leave because I think they felt like they'd been relegated to second-rate second, second uh, rate status within the club. Yeah. Because what's the difference to you? If you're, if you're playing, if you're the manager, the academy director of West Brom and, and Villa, you've probably got, it would depend on where you live, you might have a slightly shorter commute, but that's it. You know, you're, you're mm-hmm. talking... Both Category One uh, professionals clubs, yeah. both very you know very well run clubs at the time. What's the difference? So mm-hmm. when in doing that, obviously then you you remove the mentors of these young players and you put them somewhere else, which means that if they trust they trust those guys that they're the ones who are going to get them to the first team, they're going to leave too, because yeah. it doesn't matter to you if you're a young player, you don't care if you get your break at West Brom, Coventry City. Warsaw, yeah, the Blues, Villa, yeah, you're gonna. I think, I think the initial thing was you mentioned Mark Harrison and Steve Hopcroft leaving, and they were big influences, I believe, on on well, certain players. Yeah, they exactly. Be, yeah, so you're gonna go to somebody you trust, even you know, if you, if it was if it was your son who you'd want them to go to a, a someone who brought them through their entire career. And want them to get to that next phase where they're going to burst into the first team and, and hopefully do another career in football. You're going to look for these people, and the fact that, I mean, the 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 backing up our claim about Luke Dowling being a disruptive influence. He he said he wanted to modernise the academy, or well, that was the the report he wanted to modernise the academy. And when Downing left the club, um, there was a, a news article with his face, and then above it saying "Chaos reigns." Um, and Steve Hopcroft, who left the club and went to Villa, uh, captioned it with, this should have been the headline the day he got the job. So it says there was a lot of resentment there. And obviously he was a disruptive influence. Even if it was, if it was just in Steve Hopcroft's eyes, he was a disruptive influence. And he, if not the main cause, had a hand in these people wanting to leave, these these you know stalwarts of our academy wanting to leave. Well, you, you know, you, well, of course it does. It. He comes in a short period of time later, they both leave. That suggests yeah, exactly. that, you know, it, it doesn't take a genius to work out that there wasn't a great relationship between the group. The other thing I would say is, um, you know, if you're a young player under these that scenario where the the man who, the two men who have basically moulded your entire young footballing career leave, mm-hmm. there's going to be a certain degree of anxiety as well around what's, what the bloke who comes in or the person yeah. who comes in, what their plans are going to be. Because presumably they're going to have ideas about the players they want to sign. And they're going to go and sign players who might play in your position and block your way to the, to the, to the top. You know, there's a reason why Arsenal produced so many youth players over the, the tenure of, of, and the reason why Manchester United have as well. And that is because they've had stability at the club for yeah. so long. You know, Wenger was at the club for a thousand years, it seemed like. You know, it was, what, from 1998 to like the late 2010s, he was at the club. Yeah. So... If you're a young player, that might be your entire footballing career has been played under one person. Mm. So you know that if he rates you, he rates you. Whereas if you're, you know, Mark Harrison's run the academy for 13 years. If you've only been at the academy for two or three years, you're going to think, oh, hang on a minute. I wonder what the next bloke's going to think. Yeah. So I think it all contributes just to, well, why don't we see what's, why don't we see what else is out there? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're your if that's your son or your or your agent, like, you know, if, if you're your his client, you're his, that's your client. You might say, well, let's see what else is out there. And all it does is all it does is it presents people with an opportunity to think. That's that's the other thing as well. You know, we can all empathise with that. If your boss leaves after ten, after thirteen years of in the same career, you might think, well, actually, he was the one who was keeping me here. 
I really enjoyed coming into work every day to work with my boss. And it might highlight a few things about the place that you currently work that you don't really, you're not really happy about. Mm-hmm. And you might think, well, let's look, let's might have a look elsewhere. And you might not have looked elsewhere if that, if that thing hadn't happened, but it did. Yeah. So, and you know, Villa are spending huge amounts of money on their, their academy and they youth, they really are investing in the numbers game as far as get as many and their first as team to be fair as well aren't they they're investing heavily in the first they're team. a very very wealthy club now and they are investing they're ambitious they want to go places uh they're everything that we're not uh <laughs> in that in that respect so why wouldn't you you know why no, wouldn't exactly. you think about it yeah it's about what's well, it's, it's an extra what two or three miles down the road you know think about this objectively don't think about this subjectively as a west brom fan we've all got our, uh we're all west brom fans here so we are all subjectively uh biased towards west bromwich Albion, and we like to think that if we were west in the west brom academy we'd nailed our colors to the mass yeah you know, yeah we played from our you, entire career and you you cut me i bleed blue and white and all this but yeah. i think if you if you had a, if you if this was your job and you were even if you were an albion fan you'd still think about it because you think yeah. what's the best what's the best thing for me professionally um i think you're right about what hop you know that hopcroft tweet said more than you could more than words yeah. could possibly say yeah. that, that tells <clears throat> everything um and let's not forget you know villa they won the they won the youth the fa youth cup so they've actually showing success you know and like yeah yeah and they've put a lot of money into academy um, so um but just to run through the players that have left for the Albion for Villa. Um, I hope I'm saying these right. Um, so Tim Arigbunum. I think Finn, it's a Roigbunum. I, I, I always said it as a Roigbunum, but I don't Arugbunum. know if that's correct. Apologies yeah. if it's not correct. We're not we're not doing it deliberately. Yeah. Uh, Finn Azaz. Obviously, Louis Barry was a big one via Barcelona. Uh, Finley Thorndike, And currently, uh, Declan Frith is on loan. Or he's on trial there, sorry, at the moment. So that's another one. The, what, the only play. one... At, out of all them that really annoyed me was Louis Barry because, yeah. well, I don't think it necessarily was Villa. I think <clears> Villa have been presented with the opportunity to sign him by, from Barcelona because obviously when he went to Barcelona, presumably he went to Barcelona wanting to play for Barcelona. He wouldn't go to La Masia to, to sort of hang about. But I think once he got there, maybe he got a bit, I don't know this, but maybe he got a bit homesick or yeah. maybe he realised that it was actually a very competitive academy and maybe he wasn't the big fish in the small pond that he was. He, he is a Villa fan, I think, as well, to be fair. Uh, so, Steve, maybe maybe Mark Harrison or Steve Holcroft, you know, when they found out he wasn't very happy at Barcelona, said, well, why don't you come here? And, and many mm. did. So. But um, the disappointing thing is we still haven't been paid. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we make a habit of this, don't we? Letting the, players the, go. Nathan Ferguson, Louis Barron. The paltry figure that we've, we, we're we going to get from the mighty, bar, the mighty wealthy, well, not so wealthy anymore, but the yeah. mighty Barcelona. And they can't even pay that, you know, so... That's what really disappointed me about that. Not that they left. Uh, you know, looking at those names, they're, 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 young, they're young players. It's a total risk, you know. Yeah. They could be, in there could be the next Lionel Messi. But in that list of four players, there could be four, you know, Carl Edwards or <clears throat> Jonathan Lecco. Yeah. I think looking at it purely from a fan's perspective, though, for a second, um, and irrespective of, of the players, that, you know, I'm not, I'm not blaming them, but... As a club, it's not a good look, is it? For your what you might perceive your best youth players as they're coming up to the point where they might be bursting into the first team, going to a different academy, and it seems like it was a, a situation created by ourselves with higher. I mean, I, I just sound like I'm, I'm bashing Luke Dowling, but I'll be honest. Through all the reports that have been said and the rumours of making bids for players that aren't even at clubs anymore and the whole mess that happened around Valerian Ishmael's appointment, he wanted Wilder or he wanted um, somebody else and it was just a complete shambles really. It's hard to not look at him and say, well, these these changes that he made to modernise the academy were an absolute joke. I think the man was not competent. If I'm on it, my my, yeah. my subjective my subjective opinion is that he was not not a competent technical director, uh, and that's just my opinion. <clears throat> um, yeah. And I think yeah, this is all looked, our opinion. Yeah, having looked at having looked at the sort of um, you know the performance of the club during his tenure, it was not anywhere near as 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 high as even previous technical directors that we've had in the past. No. So that's what I'm basing that opinion on. Um, but I think, you know, looking to the future for the academy, whilst, yeah. we, whilst we may have had a high turnover of players and it just so happens that quite a lot of them have gone to the Villa, 
Um, I actually think we've got quite a talented team in place now. Um, and I, I'm excited to see, because, we, you know, you look at some of our youth teams, they're still doing well. Yeah. They're still beating good teams. Um, you know, we've, we've still got Reyes Cleary. You know, you've got like Dortmund and apparently sniffing around him. So we've still got some good players in the academy. We're not, you know, oh, we're not, we, haven't, no, we, haven't no, been, no. we haven't been gutted. It's just that no. we've heard, you know, recently there's been a lot of players leave. That doesn't suggest to me that there's a massive problem. What it suggests to me is that, that we're in a period of extreme change um, yeah. and, and turnover. Uh, and having looked at sort of, you know, Richard Stevens coming over from Coventry. Um, Coventry have always had a reasonably good youth system, actually. And you look at some of the players they've brought through historically. Um, you know, you've you've highlighted in the notes Callum Wilson and James Madison, right? Yeah. But uh, I would look at, I would be looking at players like, was Darren Huckabee a Coventry? Um, I don't think he'd have been there, would he? 12 years? You've only been at Coventry for 12 no, years? No, but what I, mean, what I mean is Coventry. Oh, um... And then you add, so, yeah. He probably played Coventry. No, Robbie Keane was Wolves. Robbie Keane was Wolves. So, anyway, the point is, is I'm I'm excited for the future. So, you know, we've got Mick Halsall. Mick Halsall. Mm-hmm. Uh, he worked worked for Warsaw. So we've we've done the same. You know, we took we, yeah, Slate, we have. Yeah, to be fair, we have. That's that's true. Yeah, <clears throat> we're Slayton Villa for coming in and taking our academy bods we've got we've we got our academy manager from uh coventry we got our head of academy coaching from warsaw you know so you know yeah. i suppose it swings and roundabouts right well let's just talk about it so just to give a, a quick shout out to our resource i suppose used a lot of there's a really good shropshire star article on this that i used um to base this report on so shout out to the Shropshire star um but you mentioned Richard Stevens as our academy manager he was at Coventry for 12 years and uh, the two main ones are Callum Wilson and James Madison we've got Boaz Myhill who used to play for the Albion recently not not too long ago actually uh, he's our goalkeeper coach uh, James Morrison was in the U team but he's been promoted to the first team a first team coach now um, and you mentioned Mick Holsall as well the fact that he'd spotted people like Troy Deeney Scott Dan uh, Matty Fryett, if people remember him playing for Wars, he scored a lot of goals. Um, and then to go into uh, Kevin Dove, I believe, I might be wrong, but I believe he was the scout and he was supposed to retire. Um, but they convinced him to not and they promoted him to Academy Recruitment Officer. But he spotted people like Sam Field, uh, Rayhan Tulloch, Kamar Roof and Romain Sawyers as well. So he's got a good eye for good players. Um, and and you know bring him into the club and and then sort of it may be more successful but becoming professional footballers. So yes, I agree. You know, even though it is a negative of losing these people to the Villa, we have still got a very strong squad. Uh, we've got some exciting players coming through, and it looks like now we've got a good team at the academy to bring more players through and and hopefully get some good first team players because I, I think. Going back to the past, you mentioned people like Chris Wood. I hope that we'll learn from those mistakes and bring them in too. Because what would we give for Chris Wood right now? Exactly. Yeah. I think, so, you know, what, what I like about that list is the almost, and this, this is maybe me being, this is my West Brom fan bias coming out a little bit. But I really like the fact that Bose Myle and James Morrison are working with the young players. Yeah. And the yeah. reason why I say that is because James Morrison has was with the club for almost all of his playing career. Yeah, Boas Myle, Myle spent a huge proportion of his career at the club. They can really help the players understand the value of West Bromwich Albion and just what West Bromwich Albion is, is in reality. Yeah. You know, don't underestimate us. You know, they're both Premier League players. They've both played long, most of their careers in the Premier League with us. Um, so that's a, that's this is all really positive to me because maybe that's maybe that's the culture shift and that's just pure speculation. Maybe that's the culture shift. Maybe mm. we're we've moving towards trying to get players who really want to play for West Brom because really that is going to be the the defining factor, is it not? Because you know if you're just a player that comes, say for example, Izzy Brown, right now we we, we correct me if I'm wrong, uh, comment section, but I thought we um, we picked Izzy Brown up from Peterborough when he was a young lad. And the reason why we were able to do that is because um, he, he, we were a Category 1 
training centre and they were not. Now, this mm. is one of the things with this, and this is one of the the, the biggest bones of contention with uh, cat being Category 1, is that the whole idea is that once you are Category 1, it's supposed to be more difficult for players to move to other Category 1 academies. Oh, but really? in reality, it's been made, yeah, because you're the, you're supposed to be able to go and get players for very, for free, basically. If they're moving from a Category 2 to a Category 1, the suggestion is that they're moving for the training facilities, but there shouldn't be any reason to move between two Category 1 uh, academies because they're both there's like a baseline level of, uh, of 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 movement but obviously they do it because of the because of other intangible factors not because of what pitch you're playing on and all of that stuff yeah. um so you go and get izzy brown how can you then expect izzy brown to be particularly loyal to west brom when he's seen west brom go and get him from peterborough yeah yeah, yeah. for nothing you know so this <clears throat> is the other thing is you know Maybe the way that we be successful in the future is we go and pick players up, not who support West Brom, but who will see the value in what we've done for them and sort of want to, uh, you know, be a part of, of of a West Brom team. You know, that's that's what you do. You, you, maybe that's the way. And maybe and that's all. I'm, the reason I'm talking about this is because having Bose Moyle and James Morrison gives you that chance. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say actually, someone I missed out um, who is an ex-player, uh, Brunty. Brunty plays, uh, works for the academy. He's an academy coach as well. So you've also got Brunty in the mix, who, I mean, quality free kick corner taker as well. So another great addition to the academy, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what they come out with because I'm not, I'm not, I'm honestly, I am not sort of like um, bereft at no. losing uh, a bunch of youth players because mm. honestly, you might get one in a hundred, you know, that are that are ever going to be top top players um yeah. even less than that so you know I, I, then maybe they'll prove me wrong maybe the likes of louis barry will and finazaz and all those guys maybe they will turn into the next uh yeah, harry thing. kane yeah you know harry kane or whatever but i can't see it i think you know i'd be surprised louis barry's not been pulling, pulling up trees on his loan that he's on at the moment um and he was you know touted to be the next big thing for Barcelona so it's 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 it, you never know with young players you never know but I, I I think as long as you've got the right team in place I think we've got a chance yeah which it looks like we and have at the moment so. I I like it as I'm not an expert but I just like the look of it it looks like it's got a good mix of experience and sort of like um enthusiasm for the club which is what mm -hmm. you want really isn't it yeah I think the other thing as well with uh, Valerian Ishmael in charge he seems to be a uh, a manager who wants to promote youth who wants to get players into the team. So that's another good thing. Not only is he doing very well in the job and we're top of the league, he, he wants to bring players into the team. So that's another positive, I think. I think I think as a as a club, we're very, very well all machine currently uh, and hopefully we'll see a few more youth players. And the fact that he's only, what, 47? I think he's just had his 47th birthday. Happy birthday, Valerian Ishmael. Um, you know, fingers crossed, he could be the club for years and years. Yeah, theoretically. I think mm. I'd like to see more. It's a shame we got knocked out. It's a shame we drew Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the League Cup, because, it, you know, it's such it's such a good thing to have uh, cup competitions when you're pushing for promotion to be able to you blood youth players. Because I think people like Rayhan Tullock, I think they are ready, really. Mm. And this is where yeah. this is where this is the point when we fail youth players, not not during the academy experience. It's when they're at the point when they need first team first teamers. Yeah. Like we did it to Samfield, in my opinion. I think we set yeah, Samfield back. We we took him backwards, and I think his almost his and he will. I'm I I hope that Samfield will um, at QPR have an excellent career. He's obviously got a serious injury at the moment, and that's a huge shame because I think he was in position to really push on with QPR. Mm -hmm. But I happen to think that we held him back a little bit because, and I think maybe it was the fact that he was at the club that he loved yeah. that did it. Maybe he gave it too long, and that's suppose that's the that's that's the that's the the counterpoint to us saying, oh, well, why do they all leave after five minutes? Well, some of them stay too long, and they end up in a position perhaps where they've they they haven't achieved what they would have hoped to achieve by that age. Yeah. Um, you know, he, when Megson was manager and, and he played Samfield against Newcastle, and he scored that goal. He looked brilliant, Samfield mm. on the left, and that was on the plane on the left wing. That was. Now, maybe we'd found where Samfield should play at the Premier League level. Maybe we'd found the point, and then he, yeah. he disappeared. You know, we get a new manager, and he disappears off the face of the earth. That's the other thing, actually. Yeah. You're talking about stability. Um, the amount of change, like the, the the revolving door of managers we've had over the recent years as well has not helped. No, exactly. 
but no, I think you know, moving on from the academy because I think we've talked yeah. about it for a long time now. But yeah. I think if the future's brighter than perhaps, uh, perhaps we, we're giving it credit as a yeah. as a fan base. Yeah, absolutely. So let's look forward then. Stoke on Friday. Um, I won't sing the song again. <laughs> we've had a lot of games in a short amount of time. Do you think we played uh, QPR last Friday? And then we've had Cardiff on Tuesday, and now we've got Stoke on Friday. They played, um, they played, didn't they? I think they drew with Preston on Tuesday. But they've done well, fifth in the league. Um, we seem to like giving other teams a leg up. We've given Romain Sawyers on loan; he's doing really well. They had, they have James Chester who they signed from us. Actually, no, Villa signed James Chester from us, didn't he? And then he's gone to Stoke, so he's mm-hmm. there playing regularly, I believe. So. A tough test, a tough test against Stoke, I think. Thankfully, they'll be without Sawyers because obviously he can't play against his parent club. Well, you'd hope so. You'd hope we put that in the in the clause, but we, never we know. did. Thank we did. God. <laughs> um, I think it'd be it's a stern test of our ability. Well, I thought QPR was uh, the real testing game, that, and I think we did really, really well to win that game. I thought pre-game, yeah. I'd, have, I'd have took a draw against QPR. Because uh, I think they're a really top team. I think they're not. I think Stoke aren't as good as QPR. No. So if we can beat QPR, we can beat Stoke. Um, but it's gonna, we're going to need to be on top of our game, and we're going to need to play a clever game. It's going to be a counter punching game. It's yeah. it might even be quite. Uh, it might be a one niller. You know, one of these types of games where it hinges on one moment. Because I think whilst we've we've got the better manager and the better tactics, I think. That we've got very similar players, like quite level level of player in, in quite yeah. a lot of positions. So I think it's going to be a bit of a uh, chess chess game. Um, but I expect us, I expect us to beat Stoke. Stoke is a, is a, is one of our oldest rivals. Um, I have it was a, a bogey team of ours for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So Stoke for me, Stoke. Whenever I see or we play against Stoke, I always think of one memory that I have, which is I'm stood in the Birmingham Road end, and there's this bloke and he's wearing a in in the Smethwick end. He's wearing this like black, black leather jacket and a black shirt, and he's singing Delilah at the top of his voice. And he's mm. got a coffee in his hand and a, and a pie. And he was like, and we, we, they just scored again to sink us one nil in the last minute or whatever. And I, when I, and whenever I see Stoke and whenever we beat Stoke, I always think he's really annoyed. <laughs> he's always That's my memory of Stoke. Yeah, he's just really annoyed because we're beating him, and I just think that. Stoke is, is they are our rivals. You know, they're one of our oldest, one of our oldest derbies is Stoke. Yeah. Um, and they see it, I think, as a real derby. Stoke do, but it, we we sort of seem to concentrate on the um, on the Wolves and the Villa. But they, I think they do see it as a, as a derby against us, and and we should do because I think they are genuinely rivals of ours. Um, and I'd love mm. to see us beat them, and we should be beating them. I think with this with the squad we have. Yeah. My overall memory was we were they had Tony Pulis in charge. Um, and we we lost one nil or something. They they did a real job on us. And somebody on uh, old Frank's show, when it you know Radio WM whatever, was absolutely going crackers about Pulis, calling him Tony Clueless, and he was just he'd lost the plot. And then all these fans were ringing in saying, "Oh, well, hang on, you know we did a great," and they did to be fair. But that was my overriding memory. But we always you know he seemed to know how to play against us, didn't he? he always seemed to um, get a result. So. Yeah, fingers crossed we'll get the win. We're playing well. Um, they've yeah, got some dangerous players. They've got. I think they've they've improved dramatically over the last uh, over the se- this season particularly. Yeah, they were they were in absolute disarray, weren't they? At one point, they'd got loads of players that were all on massive money and. Yeah, they, they yeah. Like, well, they signed a lot of players from us, if you remember Darren Fletcher, James McLean, Sade Berahino. They were like the quintessential relegated prem club, like yeah, you know, really symbolic. Um, but they seem to have turned that around. You know, Michael O'Neill is not a bad manager. I just think he's not as good as what we've got. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think he plays a sort of a slightly attritional style. So um, I would expect us to play similarly to how we played against Cardiff and QPR, i.e. more on with the ball on the ground, waiting for opportunities uh-huh. to press. Uh, and then I, I think we'll beat them too. Comfortably, maybe two nil, something like that. Maybe one, maybe one, one nil if it's a, if it's a sort of a ding, if it's almost like a chess game. But if we get in front early, we could score multiple goals. Yeah, 
Just one more memory about Stoke, actually, because they are an interesting club, and we seem to run in parallels with each other. You know, we all seem to end up in the same league. I remember when we got relegated the same time as them, and uh, they were favourites to go up, and they signed some really good players. Uh, Tom Ince was one of them, and there was a striker from the Wolves who was a really good striker, if I remember correctly. I can't remember his name. His name escapes me. And they... No, it wasn't Stephen Fletcher. I, I think he plays from the moment. I can't remember his name was. Um, but he was a really good striker. Anyway, they, they signed they, they signed quite a few players and they had the ex-Blues manager in charge. Uh, is it Gary? Not Gary Rowett, is it? It is Rowett, yeah. Rowett, Rowett Gary Rowett. Um, but they finished like 14th. If you remember, they just they just couldn't get, you know, get it right. Um, but anyway, sorry, I do digress, but... Yeah, real, real, like, we've had a, a lot of history with, especially recent history with Stoke as well. So, it be a really interesting game, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, hopefully we uh, we get another win, because we've, we seem to have turned a corner, and we seem to be doing really well. Yep. So, uh, trivia. trivia time. Yeah, <laughs> it's everyone's favourite time of the show. Um, <laughs> so, last week... Uh, I asked a QPR question and I said in 2016, which player did the Albion sign from QPR for around 6 million quid? John, the answer was Matthew Phillips. Yeah. Uh, our goal scorer against Cardiff. <laughs> I wanted to, go. I wanted to, I tried, I tried to throw you by saying Matthew and I think I did. <laughs> yeah. It's Matthew Phillips. Everyone says Matthew Phillips. So but anyway, yes, um, it was Matt Phillips, our goal scorer against Cardiff. Uh, I've got another easy question because I'm going for the easy ones at the moment. Uh, and it's a Stoke question. Which player did Stoke sign from West Brom? Actually, is this an easy one? Because we've they've signed a lot of players from us. Anyway, sorry. Which player did Stoke sign from West Brom in January 2017? That's the A. Interesting. <laughs> so have a think back. Not, not a too different one, but... The thing that makes it a little bit difficult is they have signed a lot of players from us in recent years. Darren, well, some people. <laughs> I won't say the names because I'm sort of giving the answer away almost, aren't I? But yeah. Um, so let us know in the in the uh, on our social media, or um, or you can email us at allthingsalbionpodcast at gmail We are on Facebook, All Things Albion. John, what is your Twitter handle? Uh, it is at John underscore Foz. So that's at J-O-N <clears throat> underscore F-O-Z. Yeah. And also, it's been a long one today. I think we've almost gone for an hour. So I really appreciate your time, John. Um, the other thing I would ask, if you are still listening to us, I really appreciate it. Um, if you're at the gym or driving your car or whatever, if you could, when you get a chance, give us a review on your platform of choice. You know, really appreciate especially if it's a five-star one. If you want to say that the main presenter sounds great and you're welcome to or the co-host is really knowledgeable that's absolutely fine and if you could share you know share yes. the podcast share the podcast yes. with, with other album fans because yeah. you know what we're trying to do really here is we're just trying to get as many perspectives and as many opinions as we possibly can yeah. and as we've proven throughout the you know the, the way the podcast has developed we we do look to you to talk about we want to talk about things that you find interesting and you want yeah, to hear absolutely. more about so yeah. we like to, we want this to be an interactive experience for everybody. Um, so yeah, try and spread the word for us if you can, and we'd really appreciate it. And um, yeah, it just gets us gets us to where we want to be, which is talking to more and more Albion fans. Absolutely. Well, like I said, John, thank you very much for your time. Look forward to the uh, game against Stoke. Hope for another win, and we'll speak to you guys next week. So thank you for listening, guys. Boing boing. Boing boing, mate.